thank you for tuning in to the Attack and Release Show. My name is Matt, and I am tuned, tuned, joined today. Wow. (laughs) Tuned. Hey. Hi. (laughs) And I am joined today by my good friend from Nashville, Sam Moses. Hi there. Hey there. Ho there. Heidi, hi, neighbor. Anywho, we have an interesting topic today. We probably can't actually tell you how to do the actual thing in this, but you know, you know the little similes and the metaphors and all that stuff. It'll all it'll all come together in the end. I think you'll like it. So anyway, um, today's episode is called How to Sell a Rolls Royce. That'd be so funny mm-hmm. if we had a salesman from Rolls Royce on here. God, that would have been cool. Man, yeah. what an oversight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What an oversight. That'd be kind of kind of a weird thing to put together. We should do that. Anyway, <laughs> today's episode's pretty much about customer service. Yes. And what it takes to be the best at customer service. And really, why in fact your job is not really in any type of danger. And everyone's got this scarcity mindset, FOMO, fear of missing out. Um and I don't think it's it's from a point of oh no they're gonna steal my settings. It's like bro, everyone's probably got the same settings. It's <laughs> it's okay, like not everyone, but pretty darn close. Anyway, but before we get into that, Samuel is gonna take us into a bona fide version of bona housekeeping. Fide. This is the real deal bona fide housekeeping <laughs> by Sam <laughs> Moses. <laughs> What's the What's the <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, it's oh brother, where art thou? Oh yeah, it's like where like they they go into <laughs> the three guys go into town, and George Clooney's like wife is remarried, uh-huh. and his daughters keep on coming up about like his wife's new husband, and so they're, they're like he's a bonafide. He's a bonafide. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that means like he's rich or something. I don't know what that means, but they just keep saying it. I think bonafide <laughs> means like it's the real deal. But he's the real deal. He's the real dad. Yes. He's a bona fide. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel, takes into housekeeping. Um, housekeeping. My friends, this is that unique time you get to like, share, subscribe to our episode. If you don't mind, go to Apple, give us some stars, give us a review, subscribe. If you can go to Instagram, tag us, take a screenshot of the episode, tag me please at most mastering, tag Matt for the record mastering. Then we will reshare it. Uh, we will cross market. We also get to know you one-on-one, which is awesome. It really helps us move farther into the podcast universe. It also helps us get to know our audience better and make better episodes. That's been a byproduct of all this is uh, we do episodes often that are audience generated. So thank you, audience and listener for uh, hanging out with us. So that's mm-hmm. housekeeping. Just share it. Nice. Tag us. Rinse, repeat. You know the drill. We love you. Carry on. Samuel. Matt. I'm calling you Samuel a lot. We're going by the full names today. I like full names. Do you ever want a Rolls Royce? And what or what do you think of when you think of Rolls Royce? Okay. I do want a Rolls Royce at some time in my life. I do think they're cool. Do you want a chauffeur or do you want to drive it yourself? I would like to drive it myself. I would like the experience. Uh, I think they're cool. I think they're made really well. I think they create a great experience probably if you buy one from the dealership uh, or even like a vintage car place. 
And what do I think about when I think of a Rolls Royce? I think of quality, craftsmanship, integrity, uh, a brand you can trust, something that's not going to break down in theory, um, something that can perform well consistently, something that brings peace of mind at the end of the day. That, to me, Mm -hmm. is... Rolls Royce, to me, is like a peace of mind luxury thing. Like, if I have that vehicle, of course, I don't know anything about Rolls Royces. But if I have that vehicle... In my mind, I'm thinking this thing is going to be a tank going down the road. It's going to be smooth as butter. You know, it can go 180 miles an hour, no problem. It can go 30 miles an hour. Um, It's creating an experience and a feeling and solving some sort of problem on some level for me that uh, I want to be in a vehicle. If I'm in a car a lot, which a lot of us are in cars a lot, I want the experience to be enjoyable and not stressful. And I want, uh, you know, I want to have peace of mind while I'm driving, while I'm going down the road. Because as someone who's been in, uh, I've been in five car accidents, (laughs) which is crazy. Yeah. And none of them have been my fault. There was one that they split liability. Yes. I literally am a magnet, but I have been in five car accidents, car accidents already. Um, and I won't go into each one, but they keep getting worse because <laughs> the last one two years ago was real bad and I had to have surgery and all this stuff. But anyway, as someone who's had some car trauma, um, I continually invest into uh, tanks, tanks. tanks of vehicles. <laughs> you just need to get like, remember like the H1 was just like yes. a legit yes. Hummer. But it was like 15 and a half inches wide, like almost the full 16 inches of the highway. It, yes. But anyway, you know that's that's what I think about you know, when I think about cars. To the top of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is, Is he going to hit me? <laughs> <laughs> Try me. Protect myself against these crazy Road rage mode activated. <laughs> um, reminds me of Twisted Metal, the video game, great game. But anyway, yeah, that's what I think. You know, do I want a Rolls Royce someday? Sure, that'd be fun. I think it'd be fun to have one for you know a period of time, and you know, I think their brand's been around forever, and there's a reason for that. I got to imagine there's heavy uh, client experience and customer service within that that keeps people coming back. Um, and I think that, you know, is why people keep buying Rolls Royce, why their value keeps going up in theory. Um, Have you ever seen the yeah. videos of like inside like a Rolls Royce? It's not a dealership per se, but like if you're going to build a custom one from the factory, have you ever seen those videos? Yes, I have. <laughs> and so I don't know if I sent them to you, but I've been like, Dude, I've been like drooling over those videos. It's like, I, I never want one. I never want to own one. There's zero desire in my life to ever own one. Um, to me, they're impractical. Yeah. But the level of like, you can go and you can pick like top halves of the vehicle and bottom halves of the vehicle. You can mix and match paint colors of actual paint colors to make like a little like block of a car of like, this is what it's going to look like. This is what your stitching is going to look like. This is what embroidery is going to look like. To the point to where you take your little block of a car and you put it on a table and they have like like a kind of like dimmable-ish. I know how to explain it, but I don't know how to exp- I know how to explain it in a technical sense, but not in like a... 
like this podcast sense. It's essentially <laughs> it's an LED light that changes color per where on the equator you're going to be located yeah. and how the sun generally shines at the, in that part of the world. <laughs> and they, they bring this light over the car so you can see your paint color, what it's going to look like in your driveway before it's all you know, pulled away into the, 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 private, the private garage. <laughs> and like just the level of detail that they go into of making you feel like you are purchasing the last car you'll ever need, even though if you are of the caliber to purchase a Rolls <laughs> right. Royce like that, you're probably going to buy another one in two years and right. sell the one you have. Right. And two years might be a little long for it anyway. Right. Um, anyway, this whole episode isn't necessarily about Rolls Royce or like kind of droning on about them or whatnot. Um, it's more about the customer service aspect behind... Um, purchasing something that is um, of substantial kind of luxury and whatnot. Right. And this episode kind of also comes from the mindset that if you put 10 mastering engineers in a room of similar experience, you're going, like it's in the exact same song, you're going to probably get results that are pretty close to one another. Um. In general, songs only like to go like to a certain loudness, and generally, people will have different tastes about where it will go. But there, I feel like there would be some type of median average that that song would kind of be mastered to. Somebody might like a little bit more mid. Somebody like might like a little more low end or a little bit more top end. Some might have a little more punch. But all in all, all things said and done. It's the same song brought to relatively the same loudness, more than likely in different ways. And so I think that will kind of be the general difference. And sure, some people might have like certain pieces of gear and whatnot that can do things a little bit differently. But once again, level matched and whatnot, and you will be able to tell a difference for the most part. Um, but you're generally getting to the same thing. So what's like to keep, say, someone from coming here and looking at all my gear and all the plugins and hardware and whatnot that I use and me being worried about somebody stealing my clients. And it's because I'm never going to have to worry about somebody ever stealing my clients with the same gear, the same settings, the same everything that I do. And what does that come down to? That comes down to me. Right, Because nobody is going to be able to provide my customers with the type of service that I provide them with, which I think is a pretty darn good service. And it's like if somebody needs to hop on the phone, I'm not going to balk at hopping on the phone and taking 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is out of my day to have a conversation about whatever they want to talk about. Um, they could just be curious about the vinyl process, and I can say I don't cut vinyl. I'm not the I'm I'm not necessarily the technical one to do that. But if we if you want to talk to the if you want to let me know who you have in the pressing plant and who you have lined up to to do this, then I have no problem giving them a call. You can be on the phone or not, and we can just have a conversation with the person who's more than likely to be the cutting engineer, and we can get the whole thing sorted out about like any questions you might have. And I mean, there's there's nothing that I really won't do to really help out a client and to like provide peace of mind and really think and really make them think that 
Like at that moment, you are the only thing that matters. And that's the length that I'm really willing to go to for any and all clients. And it's getting back to emails as quick as I can. I'm not the best all the time, um, but trying to get back to emails as quickly as I can, um, trying to let people know, it's like, hey, you know what? I do have a queue of stuff on my schedule, but you know what? I'm going to let you know kind of where you are in that queue. And it's like, hey, you know what? I'm about a week out or like if I'm two weeks out, it's like I'm going to let you know if stuff shifts around in the schedule or hey, maybe... Like, like, I don't know, maybe I, I got to a session and somebody kind of like goofed up uh, one of the mixes or whatever, or I need a recall. It's like, hey, yeah, I can, this person's in a bit of a rush. I can slip this forward. I can shoot them an email. I can let them know. And it's like, I have, I have no problem doing that. I do cut, like, I do put a little bit of margin in there and just like, you know, a little personal life. Cause I do have the capability with some software I use. I can plug in that person's cell phone number into the software and I can have the software auto SMS them about where they are actually in the queue. But I, I don't really want anyone to have that, that much access, but I want somebody to feel like they are handing their project that they have spent a lot of money to have like tracked and produced and mixed and now mastered. It's like, this is a big financial endeavor that hopefully you're going to turn around and create into a um, large financial provider for you. Um, And you'll eventually be net positive on this whole um, creation Um, But I want you to feel good about it, and I want you to really feel like you're the only thing that really matters in this moment, and um, I'm willing to go out of my way to do that. And so I wanted this episode to be about customer service. Um, I wanted it to be why no one really can take my clients and why I'm not really worried about that. Will clients go go elsewhere, and will clients try other mastery engineers and whatnot of, like... Will my clients go elsewhere? Sure. Why not? They should. They should go see what other people do. And hopefully um, they come back one day. But if they don't, I hope they find the like, service that they 100% need. I can't be the perfect fit for everybody. But while you're here, I'm going to be the darn near perfect fit for you. Um, so I just wanted to talk a good bit about customer service today. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like buying a Rolls Royce, you would have, from someone who's never bought one before (laughs) and has no aspiration to ever buy one, um, I would assume it's a pretty fantastic experience and it's borderline effortless and you kind of just feel like you're gliding through, through all of this. Yeah. I don't know. What say, Sam? What's your take on the whole customer service? I mean, customer uh, service is everything. Like, it's... It's the number one thing I think of why I have a career. Like I know I have clients that have told me that they work with me because I solve problems and bring peace of mind. Mm-hmm. But they don't know if I'm the best master engineer from a technical aspect. Like they don't know. And that's a compliment. Like because they know too, sure. kind of like you said, like I agree. Like you could put 10 master engineers. Who are all, you know, pretty good, not just starting, and they're like all you got to have like your chops about. Yeah, you, you got to probably you know be a few years in at least, but they're all going to put probably master the song to a level where it's totally fine to come out. Like we've talked about, like I'm very open about. There's a range of acceptability that I believe in that exists, 
of like twenty mm-hmm. percent, you know, of like you could be at an eighty to a hundred, and that song will probably perform almost the same. You know, like the sonics of it are good enough to compete in the commercial world. Um, that's not going to be the issue. Uh, now there are a lot of people that do have sonic issues, but um, that will hinder the song translating or just the like. A lot of people say like the song is the most important part, which I pretty much agree. And that gets into well, it needs to sound good, but you want to make sure like the lyrics are translating and the vibe is there. And there's kind of a wide range of acceptability within that. But within customer service, like and customer experience, that is the name of the game um, for what I play. Like I try and serve my clients. I have I have so many things written down on my to-do list when I start my day, like the top thing is do not create friction, solve the problem. Like that Mm -hmm. is written down. I see it every day. (laughs) It is the first thing I see every day when I get like into my studio. It's do not, you know, don't create friction, solve the problem. And then another big thing I've written down is like treat everyone like they're the next big artist because they literally could be. Like in this industry, Part of my career is I have started with mixers. I have started with artists that literally we were all like nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of years go by, or even some of the newer artists now with like the way digital moves so quick. There mm-hmm. are artists that I literally do one song with. They have 2,000 followers, and all of a sudden, six months later, TikTok, they got a million followers. And, you know, their mm-hmm. song's going gold. Like there are. You just never know in this industry who is going to be the next superstar. If we knew that, then labels would be way more successful. Like they would be able mm-hmm. to really control and calculate, oh, this person's the next superstar. It's very you would be so surprised if you're not if you don't work with labels or not in a music city, labels literally shelve and drop so many people. Like they will sign 20 people and focus on one person. Like and they'll drop nineteen and shelve ten of the projects that are literally done, packaged, branded, ready to go, and they just won't put it out. It'll just sit on the shelf. It happens all the time. So predicting who's going to be famous next is hard. There are some things, of course, we could do or labels can do to push marketing and whatnot. But um, I treat everyone like they are the next big artist because that's what I. I mean, <laughs> a lot of the records people know me for are from artists that they literally didn't have a song out, you know, and now they have two records out. Um, and so you just never know. So I, I treat everybody as if they're the number one artist, you know, or, or whatever that it's going to be signed or come out on new music Friday or, you know, go gold or something like that's how I treat everybody. And it's just a, it's a mindset. And I think it's, it comes down to within this customer and client experience, you have to be great at solving problems. You have to be great at communication. You have to be great at following up. You have to be great at bringing peace of mind. You have to be great at detail and nuance. That is so much of our industry is nuance and detail. Mastering is all about nuance and detail. And within solving problems, what I find a lot of people don't understand is they will often try to solve an emotional feedback from a client, which most feedback is emotion-based. Um, you know, a fear of essentially the song not sounding a certain way, feeling a certain way, or they feel like they lost the magic. 
and mastering engineers and most engineers immediately want us to try and solve an emotional problem with logic. So someone mm-hmm. might say, hey, the kick drum, blah, 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 and this, and it feels like it's not going to do this. And immediately in your brain, for most people, and how I used to be when I started, is you get defensive and you're like, well, they don't know anything and they're stupid and blah, blah, and this must not be like, if, if they could hear it in a proper room, they would know the kick's 5 dB too loud. It's not about the kick drum, stupid. <laughs> they're scared that the song's not going to sound good or they're comparing it to another song and it's not, it doesn't feel right to them. And so it's an emotional problem. They have an emotional problem. Most of your clients have emotional problems just like you and I have emotional problems. And the way you solve an emotional problem is by being emotional to then lay down some groundwork and then you can potentially earn trust and then you can become logical in time Mm. once you have that trust. But if a client is telling you something, it's probably emotionally based on some level because it is their own personal art to begin with, so there's emotion in it. Music is emotional. And then there's a lot riding on that song. Like Matt was saying, like it's an investment. They're, they've invested time, their life, their money, and they're hoping that it just comes out and does well or does X, Y, and Z for them and, and mm-hmm. it becomes a career. Like It's a big deal to make any song, and you must be able to be emotionally intelligent, and you must be able to not be defensive, And you must be able to understand that unless you are there to truly serve the client. And at this stage, whatever the client wants, like I do, like I fully understand that now, you know, uh, some of the older guys that I really respect. I remember when I was kind of starting, when I would randomly get to talk to them they would say, like, whatever the client wants, they get. And I'd be like, yeah, but blah, 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 blah pushover, blah, blah. And I'm like, now I'm like, oh, I understand. <laughs> like, because it's not about me. Yeah. It's not about, yeah. like, we are just a medium. We are a service provider. We are here to honor someone's art. Like, it's not our art at all. Like, it's, you know, it's somebody else's art. And within that, this gets into... For me, about you know, client experience and customer service. You know, most of my work is referral based, like it has been, and that's because I create a great experience, solve problems, bring peace of mind, and I'm also pretty good at mastering records. But I also have not been afraid. I call it like walking away from the sale, because every project you do, in theory, on some level, represents your brand, and there's going to be people out there. Of course, I've seen this on the internet. They're like, well, if a product isn't something you love, don't promote it. Well, Mm -hmm. if you create a great experience with someone, they're going to refer someone to, they're going to refer you. So like the project that you didn't love, that maybe it's a great project, but you just despise the genre. Sure. Like that person's going to start sending people who work on those types of records to you because it's like the Seth Godin thing. Like people like us do things like this. If you like to make pop music and you do like a weird indie emo record, and you crush it, which is great, and the person loves it, you serve them, then they're going to go tell all their indie emo people about you, and then you're going to have a flood of that. And then you can be put into a corner where you're like becoming the indie emo guy and you never wanted to be. Like, <laughs> I've seen it happen in Nashville where someone accidentally, I mean, God bless becomes them. Becomes the guy. Yeah, they become the guy because they're good at serving people. And then all of a sudden they're doing all these records that they're like, I hate this music and I hate my job. And so... Mm-hmm. That's part of all of this is like whatever experience you're creating, if you're being good and serving clients, you know, 
part of that then is taking on the right clients as well. But also, though, it's like it, like as much as it kind of sucks, it's like if for this season, if like you just having incredible customer service, landing like indie emo music, and like that's just what pays the bills for this season, then. I mean, that's also fine. You're allowed to like start telling those people no, but right, yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's it's all based like on paying your goals. the bills is also nice, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can obviously take on whatever projects you want. I'm just saying from a long term view of seeing it now. And when I started, I kind of took on everything, and that created some confusion. I think from a long view standpoint of like, what does this sure. guy actually like to do? Um, I mean, I've had to I've had to carve those channels out too. Um, but it's like there, there's another part that like I'll 100% have people reach out who will say, hey, I listen to the podcast. I know you're not a hip-hop guy, but I just really want to work with you. Right. And I'll be like, oh, well, thank you. I will try my darndest on this. Yeah, and, and that's great. I will, like, it's, and I, I was having a conversation with somebody earlier, and it's not like, I don't, it's not that I, like, can't do it. It's just, I don't know, just some genres don't inspire me. And it's like, you, Sam, you're like driven by it. It's like, like indie music drives me. Right. And indie and country and I really like jazz and all that stuff. But like, man, hip hop and pop and top 40 like drive you. And it's not that I don't like working on it. It just, it doesn't inspire me and I might not be, and so thus I might not be the best fit for it. But it's like, if somebody comes to me because they want to work with me because... Like they think I'd be a good fit for the project, then it's like, and it's a great mix, and everything's kind of like jiving together. It's like, sure, why not? Right. It's like, yeah, I'd love to work with you. I'm like, hell, let's let's give this a go. Right. So I don't know. Maybe I am a hip hop guy. I was gonna say maybe I'm, I'm you not. Are. <laughs> I'm not. I'd much rather just give you the give you the clients. You give me your jazz. I'll give you the the hip hop clients. Yeah. So. I mean, the, if they're on the fence about working with me to begin with, but it's a killer hip hop, I'm like, man, Sam could just like rock the crap out of this. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna so, say like I don't get really any jazz because I think I've carved my lane finally, like over the years. Yeah, like, literally, no one sends me jazz or is like, I like you so much, I guess I'll go to you. Like, just doesn't happen anymore or ever. <laughs> like, I never really was a, a jazz master engineer, but there was <laughs> that's kind of like carved for me with like metal, right? Is like. I think a lot of people know it's like I'm not the right fit. And I mean, it's literally just like it's just aggressive music. My two sessions are like kind of like sandwiched, like on either, no, like they, they sandwich like me having a nine to five job and, you know, being in charge of people and being a leader. And I just don't need to take that aggressive energy into like my workplace. And I really love the team that like is working with us. And, um, I don't want any of that being like ill directed. And so that's just that's just me. And so I just have to say no to that genre. But like I was at a I was at a brewery last night with a friend and like there was like playing like this really old like punk music. And I say really old, I mean from like two thousands, like when like we were in college and I was just like, Man, this is such good stuff. I was like, Man, I'd love to work on this stuff. And so I don't know. It's like there's there's a line and a lot of it, but I don't know. Anywho. Provide good customer service. Yeah, I think I cut you off. I'm, I'm really. Well, sorry. I was just gonna say the one other thing, like that, I'm really big on that. I think creates great customer service is you need to present like your expectation and standards, like your policies up yeah. front, because I don't nickel and dime people 
at all about stuff, but I am very clear about this is how I function, this is how my business functions. And if you agree to that, then you're going to get 100% of me, you know, from nine to five. I put out, I'm very clear with new clients, like, this is when I work, this is when I don't. But when I'm on between nine to five, Monday through Friday, like, you got me. Like, I'll be there, answer any question, you know, revisions, whatever. But outside of that, I won't be. And I think that's part of, for me, like, client experience, customer service, it's all about communication and expectations uh, on some level. And for me, I know a lot of people who nickel and dime people for extra versions or a tweak here and there, or they'll nickel and dime people, or, or they just get frustrated like at people for texting them at 8 p.m. and then they're like, well, I got to respond. And it's like, no, you don't. Like <laughs> you, you get to train your clients um, every time you interact with them. And sure. you get to train them of how you want them to experience your product. Like, and I found for my business, and it's, you know, the proof is in the pudding, like the success of it and the growth of it. I think I have figured out some things about, you know, customer service and client experience. And I think a lot of it does have to do with I have very firm boundaries and I respect my time, which means I respect them. Like they, the client can sense immediately if mm-hmm. within like one interaction, if you're like going to be a good fit or not. I genuinely believe sure. that. And especially after one project, like the proof is in the pud once again. Like if people come back, like, just the accent with it, it really just sells it. You know, like people that keep coming back again and again and again, <clears throat> like you are creating good client experience and customer service. And also being fast is a big deal, which we're not in an industry. I don't participate in urgency, but when I'm on the clock, like sure, I am zoned in. And that's a lot of reason like a lot of the reason why people keep coming back to me is because I don't have like two week lead times because I've created oh, no. a schedule no. of like I have a schedule like half half my kind of time is for new people and half the times for like regulars and I've figured out this flow where it allows me to be extremely quick with getting things out the door for regular clients and then scheduling new clients in a respectable time that's really quick as well um, and then I leave margin every day for like a freebie a toss up if someone's like hey this went viral on TikTok yesterday like I can be a grouch and be like, TikTok sucks. I don't participate in it. Or I can say, great, like, no problem. We can get it out tonight. Like, I know that's important to you and your career and making money. So if I want to keep making records, I need you to keep making records. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that I think for me is something I, I try to always think about is like, I, we all need each other on some level, but I need my artists to be successful. Like, I need them to, to have records they're proud of and records that they're confident in because the number one like rule of selling is like you will not be able to sell something you don't believe in. Like that's mm-hmm. selling 101. So for clients when I'm working with them, I want them when we rap to be, you know, dancing on the moon essentially that this is the best record they've ever made. It sounds the best. It's exactly what they want because that is once again like half or 80% of the battle is you need to believe in the product you're selling. And if you, a lot of people are like, well, I want to serve the client, use my expertise. So I know like we need to cut 300 Hertz here because that'll translate better, blah, blah, blah. But your client's like, yeah, but it just feels different. And I don't really love the vibe. And you're like, well, just trust me. No, you lost that client. They're gone. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> they're never coming back because every time they hear that song, 
they're going to be like, ah, but it's the, ah, I just don't, you know, it feels thin. And that's where we're like with clients, I have an unlimited revision policy because Same. we are at the finish line. We are 99% there, especially after I provide version one. And if anyone's like, hey, there's just this one thing or like I just realized in the mix there's a click or like my vocal, I mistuned it or there's a snare hit I don't like. Can I like tweak the mix? Like those sorts of tweaks, not a big deal. Like rerun. Mm-hmm. If you're changing the whole mix, yes, that means we have to like start over. So there's a fee for that. But, you know, it's because, and the fee is really honestly with people, I'm like, it's because I want you to get the best in product again. It's going to take me another hour. Like if it's a brand new mix, it's a brand new mix. But for most people, like 99% of the time, I want us to be stoked on it. And if there's something bothering someone and they'll ask me like, hey, does this kick bother you, blah, blah. And usually, to be honest, once again, like if I already sent a version out, there's nothing that really bothered me. If there was something bothering me, I would have brought it up before we started. And so I'll usually tell them like, it doesn't bother me, but if it bothers you, then it bothers me. <laughs> like, so, Because sure. I want you to love it and be stoked on it. And I know if I just say, hey, this is totally fine. Like it is going to still translate great. It sounds great. They're going to be, every time they listen to it, probably be like, ah, I just wish that kick was a little louder, or a little softer. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I have no issues going back in, recalling, reprinting for that. And that brings them peace of mind. You know, it's a big, like I tell my clients, like the no leads to the yes. So even if we do that and they're like, you know what, I like version one. I'm like, great. Version one it is. Like mm-hmm. the no led to the yes. We have peace of mind. You're stoked on it. I know it's still good. I'll often phrase things with like, you can't make a wrong decision, version one or two, or even if we got three, I'm like, you know, these are all terrific. <laughs> I have no concerns about it competing, you know, and sounding great. We're basically at that personal taste and choice uh, section, which is where sure. I always like to be with clients. You know, if we're at personal taste, then I'm like, great, what do you got? Like, what do you think? You need it just a hair wider? No problem. Not going to make or break the song. A little more thump? No problem. Like, you know, it's about solving problems and serving the client. And so many people out there do not do that. And they want to get defensive and they want to be right. Like, that's when I started. I wanted to be right. I wanted to show my value by being right. And I didn't understand anything about this business. Like, <laughs> it is all about creating great client experience, having great customer service. And that's what keeps people coming back. And you have to be halfway decent, of course. But I think we've talked about it before. Like, most people that, I end up helping or mentoring like they don't lack the skill. They lack they don't understand business, you know, and they don't understand how to serve the client well. And those are things unfortunately we don't really get taught. Like I went to school for business and I feel like looking back I didn't learn anything really. <laughs> like outside of like I learned what a sunk cost was. That's something that's burnt into my head. Like what is a sunk cost for some reason? <laughs> But outside of that, it's like, I don't know. I didn't, I don't feel like I, I learned a ton. But I don't know what a sunk cost is. Probably because I didn't get a business degree. Right. But anyway, it's it's like kind of important, but not really. So, (laughs) um, but anyway, those are my thoughts. Like, there's not a ton more to say. Like, for me, like my, my secret sauce is solve problems, communicate, follow up, bring peace of mind, treat everybody like they're the next big artist, don't create friction. Solve the problem. Attention to detail, nuance. Solve motion with emotion. Don't nickel and dime people, and make sure your expectations and policies are up front, and everybody agrees to them. That's it. 
that's my that's my uh, key to selling a Rolls Royce. If I was selling a Rolls Royce, that's how I would approach it. Still, so so that's why I don't get business school because it's just like okay, yeah, I know what all this stuff is, but it's like why the heck do I need this definition? It's so stupid, right? It's like okay, yeah, sunk costs. It's like yeah, I write a check. It's like technically that money's gone even though it hasn't left my account. That's a sunk cost. Like a salary. Yeah, I got payroll pulling out next week. Yeah, it's a sunk cost. I know I need however many thousand dollars in the bank account. Okay, cool. Yeah, sure. That's a sunk cost. Well, I need a definition for that. <laughs> you don't need to learn that. Just have the money there, dummy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> back to customer service. Uh, Show my colors here a little bit, <laughs> Sam. Um. <clears throat> I mean, you pretty much said everything that I had written down. Um, I mean, I generally do not create some type of a problem without um, like offering a solution. I'm not trying to psychologically curb somebody around to like my solution and right. my like opinions, like whatever is best. One of the funny things about like one of the revision, th- uh, one of the revisions that I've gotten. I don't know this was years ago, but it's one of my my funniest like. Uh, things about it is like also what we said in previous episodes about revisions is 100% true is like it's literally anytime you get a checklist anytime you get a revision it's literally a checklist of what needs to happen and what you need to do in order for this client to be like over the moon about this record and for them to be like okay yeah this is perfect all right let's move on and then you move on to the next session and so um, one of the funniest things that <laughs> to me that I've done is I had a client just say, yeah, but when I put a plug-in on here, and I really just kind of want the vibe of this plug-in gets dialed into this much and whatnot. And I didn't own the plug-in. I literally was just like, oh, it's like $35. <laughs> I just bought the plug-in. I did what they told me to do. And then I sent it back They're like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. What'd you do? And I said, I literally bought that plug-in and I did that. <laughs> and so it's just like, $35, who cares? It's like the problem solved, and now it's like you are a problem solver for that person. And so <laughs> that to me is more important than like losing $30 on a plug-in I've never used since that situation. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I think just like little things like that go a long way. I mean, you touched on word of mouth. I mean, I've like I say it to like every single client is that like I have grown 100% by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, the podcast has helped a little bit, but arguably it is also word of mouth. Um but I could not be more grateful for people just saying, "Hey man, I loved what you did on this record or so and so said that they work with you or hey, like I we were talking about you and we'd love for you to master this next record." And it's just so cool to see that and that is the like that recommendation is arguably more powerful than any type of ad that I could be running or any type of post that I could be putting out on social media. And so I'm just forever grateful for that. And I mean, that all comes from just excellent communication just kind of over the years. Um, you also touched on uh, managing communication and expectations. Um, expectation doesn't always align perfectly with reality. And there's that whole formula for happiness that when your expectations exceed your reality, that, that equals happiness. And when reality exceeds, no, I'm sorry, yeah, when reality exceeds your expectations, 
when reality exceeds your expectations, you have happiness. Yeah, so you got is. more than you thought. Yeah. But then when your um, expectations are essentially undermet by them exceeding the reality, you do not have happiness. And so I try to do whatever I can to exceed people's expectations really like at any, uh, at any and every point. Um, I try to over-communicate, not to an annoying degree, but just like, like, checking in, just letting people know where it is. I try my best to not have like crazy lead times. If something is late, if something is kind of dragging on or whatnot. And it's like, I need to, I'm not really for working weekends, but if I just have like too much stacking up because probably it's me or reason that something's stacking up, it's like, I don't know. Like, does something need to change in what I'm doing? It's like, I don't know. I might totally come in here on like a Saturday or something, or maybe my wife and kids are going to go to Hilton and be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go come in here on a Saturday or a Sunday and just get all my stuff caught up. I don't think that's unhealthy every now and then. I don't think it's an everyday thing though. Um, But then getting onto Saturdays and Sundays, I mean, yeah, you know, you do need to take care of yourself. You do need to create margin for yourself and kind of like know what days to you are sacred. I'm not a mastering engineer who says, yeah, I'll be in here on a Saturday to work on your record. Some people say that. I'm not that guy. Um, That's not the type of customer service that I offer. Um, I need a day or two, whatever, to rest and to be with my family. And I... Um, I mean, I put that in like my little email signature and everything. I saw that was in Sam's email signature, and it's like um, I expect I, I I respect people's boundaries. I also expect that to be reciprocated. Um, I've had one client, one or two clients, not respect that, and uh, that was that was enough for me to um, to put a foot down. Um, I'm not. Uh, not necessarily about that, but uh, yeah, through all that, don't be a pushover and don't let people take advantage of you. Um, there's a whole story about a guy who's trying to buy a car and he keeps on asking for all these options to be put on there. And he's like, man, what else is this guy going to ask for? And eventually, I think this is a true story. This is from my cousin who worked in a car dealership. Um, this is like about a guy. He was like, he wanted like the office plant, like the plant in the office. And he's like, okay, yeah. And he wanted the, like, like one of the things on the salesman's desk. And like the guy's like, yeah, it was obviously a buyer's market. Um, and, uh, the guy kept on giving it to him until he eventually asked for something that the guy said no about. And, uh, He's like, well, he's like, he's like, he's like, no, like, well, like, what do you think you're doing? He's like, I was just wondering when you were going to say no to me. And so it's like, you know, you can be taken advantage of and your kindness and customer service can be taken advantage of. So also keep your personal health and mental health and your boundaries in mind and know what is a no to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is the other side of this equation. Um, but... Do I ever want to own? Do I ever want to own a Rolls Royce? Not necessarily, but I would love to go through the sales process of um, just what type of customer service is expected out of somebody who is selling that high quality of. It's like Rolls Royce makes the coolest stuff. Like they make jet engines. That's on the new uh, the new seven eighty seven, and I think they have like on the triple seven. They're doing them now, and it's uh, they make they make them right here in Charleston. And just like to be known for jet engines and like the most luxurious vehicle you can have, it's uh kind of cool. You can like 
I think they do like these little like fiber optic stars in the ceiling of some of the cars. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know. Some of the stuff is just so DJ over Kelly the darn top. That. The umbrella, come on. <laughs> it's so darn cool. Got the little champagne fridge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's cool. Um, but yeah, anyway, this episode, I, th- I think we needed to do an episode on customer service about going over and beyond um, for your clients. It'd be kind of fun if like, you see like a rise in customer service because of this episode. <laughs> Me being not humble and just assuming this <laughs> <laughs> podcast has a larger reach than mm. I think it has. Um, but yeah. One um, other thing I would say on, real quick too. I don't want to cut you off, but I have one little thing. No, you're good. I was going to say- I was about to wrap up. The- um, Creating expectations and like your policies and making sure people understand that up front. Once a client understands that and agrees to that, because sometimes I'll have clients that don't end up working with me because I tell them, you know, I don't work Saturday, Sundays, this, that, I want payment mm-hmm. up front, you know, here's how the flow goes, this, and, the, and they don't want it or they can't, I don't want to pay you up front, I don't, you know. Those people go away. So the people you end up getting then, it's much easier to create that client experience and customer service because they're already signed on to your flow. So like it sets you up to knock it out of the park. So that eliminates so much potential. The main reasons why people will probably leave you is not because of your lack of skill as a master engineer or songwriter producer. It will be because... They are calling you at 8 p.m. on Saturday going, I need this revision, I need this revision, I need this revision. And in your head, you're like, I don't work Saturday, Sundays. Then it comes Monday, and you're like, hey, sorry, I don't work Saturday, Sundays. You're like, I didn't know that. Now I'm behind, blah, blah, blah. I needed it done. you know. And then they, don't, they won't come back. Like That's yeah. just how it is. So I just want to circle back to the importance of you've got to make your expectations, your standards, your policies, like you need to stand by those. Those boundaries are in place to create healthy relationships, healthy business relationships, and they allow you then to serve the customer uh, in the in the way that works best for you. And that's all I wanted to put on that book. In okay, Matt, take us home or say whatever you need to. <laughs> I'm done. No, I'm I think done, that's done, great. Done, done, done. I mean, on my checklist, it's like I have expectations that like I allow people to express like a little expectation block and communication of like, hey, this is. I want you to tell me everything that you're expecting from this process. And I put yeah. my whole like budget line and this is what I'm anticipating. This is what I expect you to pay per song. And so it's like, we get that out of the way real quick. Um, I don't mind talking to like a producer client like late at night, but if like, they're like, Oh, I need this like tomorrow. It's like, like tomorrow morning. Yeah. It's like, well, <laughs> this is going to be awkward. So, I don't know. Also, I mean, it goes like both ways. Treat people how you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Uh, send them this episode if they do that to you. Um, anywho, um, thank you again for being a part of this episode. If you hear the music in the background, that was made by the lovely Sam Moses. Go ahead and give him some thanks and praise for putting these together. You always make him sound great, bud. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Um, and uh, I think this, I don't know, we're somewhere around the 140s, high 130s. I, I, I don't really know where this episode is. But um, yeah, if you need a mastery engineer with great customer service, Sam can be found at Moses Mastering and I can be found at For The Record Mastering. Um, we'd love to help take your project, your record, your song across the line. And uh, yeah, I think our customer service would be absolutely fantastic to 
kind of guide you through that process. Um, yeah, if you wouldn't mind just taking a screenshot of this moment and posting it on your local social medias, we would appreciate it. And uh, yeah, leave us a comment. Comments are great. We don't have enough comments. We would love more comments. Um, Apple iTunes is kind of the place where we would like that to happen. But if it's somewhere else, that is also fine. Um, and I think that's all I got. So let us know what you think. Morning, afternoon, evening, whatever you're having, have a darn good one. Sam? Matt? Cue the music. Cue! See y'all. <laughs>